up, Internet? Breakfast pasta. Ever heard of it? My name is Matthew Kroll. And anybody smell Rogaine? My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film, The Paper Tigers. Ooh. Roar. 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 Meow. Meow. Is that what we're, is yeah, that where we're at? Yeah, that's pretty much the whole episode is just going to be us uh, doing fake. Actually, why isn't Zoe on this episode? I mean, she's right here. Yeah, what did she think of the movie? Uh, Zoe loved it. Oh, yeah? Zoe had a very good time. <laughs> uh, f- five five paws out of four. Five paws. Um, <laughs> very, very, very good. Uh, hey, everyone, guess what? Shahir and I are feeling wonky because yeah. we've been working too hard. But we did take time out of our busy schedules <laughs> to watch this film to talk with you about it. Shahir, and I actually have to say, I am very glad we did. Uh, I feel like... And we'll get into it. I know we have a couple things to talk about beforehand, but this movie was like a bomb for my mood. Okay. Uh, I was in a real dark place before I watched this movie the other night, and afterward, I don't know. I I just felt nice. (laughs) (laughs) So we can talk about sort of that style of film and and what that sort of and what sort of elements caused that to happen, but. Uh, you you too have been uh, quite the busy bee. Yeah, I I, I will uh, preface all of this with a with an apology to the movie and to the listening audience first, um, which is that I pulled uh, two fifteen hour days plus the weekend plus a a thirteen hour day before that. So I would uh, and so that was the fifteen the third fifteen hour day was the day I sat down to watch this movie at about midnight. And I try. I started, and I I had that moment which I hate having in a movie, but I have had it before, where I blinked, and before I knew it, I woke up, and the t- and the credits were rolling, and I was like, "Where am I? What has happened?" And I realized I'd actually slipped the movies. That was actually last night. So today I played catch up all day. Um, trying to watch this movie just in any ten minute break I had, sure. I was watching this in like small intervals. <laughs> as and the so, director intended, as the director intended, uh, switching from our projector screen to a monitor, switching into another monitor. I even had it played, uh, playing in the background of meetings that I knew I wasn't really required to actually participate in, but which was just there. Amazing. Uh, so this this is uh, of any like whenever I sit down to watch a movie. I take time out of my week to watch that movie. I will sit the scene. The candles will be lit. The beverages will be poured. The 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 socks will come off the sh- uh, off the feet. And this was not one of those cases this week. This was one where I literally was just like trying to find any moment I could to watch this movie. So I apologize in advance if my thoughts are scatterbrained in the least. Um, But I will say that this movie was recommended to us by uh, Jonathan Blade over on Twitter, uh, Mm -hmm. who wrote this about it. We read this last week, and it was just one of those weird circumstances. Cruella came out this week, and we could have done that, but at the same time, there's not a lot of good buzz around Cruella, and it didn't really make me feel that enthusiastic. Though I do like Craig Gillespie, who directed it. And And here's the other thing. I don't want to just follow buzz. I mean, I don't (laughs) think we actually do, but sometimes when like the, the the current like main movie comes out yeah. and it doesn't and it's like it's the movie of the week. we kind of ignore it yeah uh, which isn't a bad thing especially when there's like really cool stuff to talk about but I never wanna I never wanna preface that we don't do a film just because it's getting like middling reviews like yeah. I think sometimes it's fun and important to talk about that stuff and I I am excited weirdly for Cruella mm-hmm. um mainly probably be- just because. Uh, it's like sort of that weird, like it's harkening back to that hot topic itch sixteen-year-old Matt had. Like, uh, <laughs> you mean as it in just the hot seems... topic the store. Yeah, like <laughs> it has that vibe to it, like that, like I'm real dark, but also like super corporate, and your parents are gonna hate me, but like just drop thirty bucks on this, uh, you know, Lebre piercing. Um, <laughs> or Lebret, excuse me, or I don't <laughs> I, know. I it's been too long since I've pierced anything. Um, but yeah. Uh, so, so thank you, uh, Mr. The Blade for, uh, suggesting this film to us. Yeah. And uh, as The Blade wrote, uh, I don't know how to describe it, but it, uh, but sometimes in a film there is magic in the zone, a confluence of presentation, which the narrative or motivational connection, connective tissue isn't quite there, but it doesn't matter. You are on the ride. Uh, uh, this is probably a backhanded way to say that I loved Paper Tigers, and you should put it on the list as its take on being a middle-aged guy is something that I believe Shahir would feel deeply in the same way that I 
do. Um, and That's right, fellow young people. Shahir <laughs> is the old one. And as I napped on the couch while watching this movie, I can totally see where... I, at first, I was hesitant to accept the middle-aged moniker that the sure, play sure, had sure. provided to me. But I realized as I was falling asleep while watching the movie that I am a middle-aged man. And, uh, and he was more than accurate. Listen, listen. We're both we're both uh, creeping creeping into middle age, and you know that's something that everybody who makes it to this point is going to have to deal with. Um, yeah, time, man. Time, and actually, this might act, this might play into I think you know the the general uh, uh, zeitgeist of the film, but also sort of I think some of the important narrative beats. We aren't getting any younger. Hmm. What makes you say that? Uh, well, I haven't finished the time machine yet, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure if it's going to move me back and forth through time or just everything else. So you know, it's not quite it's not quite there yet. But um, no, I don't know. I mean, look, you and I, Shahir, we've been uh, in the game for quite some time, and uh, I, I hearken back. Actually, it's funny. Um, uh, a couple of friends that I used to do uh, uh, same night movie Jesus review with. Christ. I know. Um, uh, you know, I was thinking about watching some old stuff, and I was just looking at like what me, SVP, Aaron, and Steve Buja did, like <laughs> back when in 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 my twenties. Yeah, and like the amount of content we put out, and the and the energy for it, and like never feeling tired, and I feel like. I I still put out like a de- obviously with extra credits like a decent amount of content, mm. but like I'm fucking exhausted now. Right. Like I I and and it's and you and I are sort of at a different point I think in our workforce life. Whereas um, you take on two or three very large projects <laughs> like and you just power through them like a psychopath. I have about twenty ish small projects that never finish because when one completes another one takes its place right so like there's i just remember like wanting this when i was young being like this is awesome this is so cool always making stuff everything is content da, 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 da. <laughs> and now that i'm here and i'm older yeah it, uh much like the characters in this film i feel like the things that uh i love are becoming Harder and harder and harder to keep doing. I remember a story about Vincent Ward, the filmmaker behind the movie What Dreams May Come. Mm. Um, I think the New Zealand filmmaker, obviously. Um, and uh, he did this uh, fantastic film called The Navigator um, uh, when I was growing up. And uh, also... Um, Oh, there's a film that Stephen Gallagher and I both love because I used to run it as a projectionist when I was uh, in film school. Regardless, he also, by the way, he wrote the early draft of Alien 3, which was going to be on a wooden planet. And apparently it was like this amazing screenplay that never got produced. And he was he was the architect of that early, early design. Anyway, I remember watching a TV interview with him where he is he's a guy who's been floating around Hollywood for a long period of time, made a lot of movies. And... Um, he was doing an interview about a film he had just finished, a documentary, and he was basically saying, I think this is going to be my last thing I make. And I was like, well, that's a strange thing to say. You know, like he's a lifer filmmaker kind of sure, thing, guy sure, who's sure, like sure. passion. And he, and he said this one thing, which, I, which I, it just always sat with me. He said, I love movies so much, but it's taken me this long, and I think he must be 60-something years old, he says, to realize they don't love me back. And, and you know, and he was like, my family loves me, the people around me love me, movies don't love me back, and they never will. And it's taken me this long to kind of come to that realization that they will never love me back. And, and, and I was just such a weird, like, profound realization that, 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 that this journey that I think I'm trying to be on as a filmmaker is Sisyphean at the best, which is like, I'm always going to be pushing a rock uphill. It's always going to fall down. And I'm always going to have to go back down to the bottom of the rock and start pushing it again. Until the only way you out don't. is not to push the rock. Until you don't. Yeah, yeah. right? Like, that's that's the secret. It's funny. Between between this film and and the next thing I'm going to watch on a screen, uh, <laughs> other than your beautiful face across the Zoom call yeah. we're doing, uh, is going to be Bo Burnham's uh, Inside. Yes, which is another thing I think we we may be talk we may could talk about. 
Interesting. Well, we well, it's a comedy special though. Yeah, but, but it's, we, it's we, more. We had this conversation around Hannah Gadsby's Nanette. We did uh, a couple of years ago, which we never quite got off the ground because mainly because I wanted to get a guest on. But I think there is scope to have the conversation. Um, I oh, no, I hundred percent agree. And you know what? I'm tired, so sure. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, and that's not, it's just, we've talked about like, what do we review on this thing? We, you know, movies, then we get into the semantics of what is a movie and then it's the whole thing. Well, us semantics, I know, please don't sound so shocked audience. I heard the gasp audibly all the way back in my studio. Right. Um, um yeah. yeah. So I think both of those pieces that I, you know, I know there came out different times. I think this movie actually came out in what, uh, it was released in festivals in 2020. Paper, yeah, I uh, believe so. Off a, off a Kickstarter campaign. Um, so this is a. Um, uh, all of this conversation about being tired in your middle age is to do with the movie. We're not just rambling here, although we are just rambling. I mean, uh, we're we're losing our our faculties. I think that might be <laughs> the case. Uh, but I appreciated uh, the blade sending us this recommendation. Uh, could you tell us what the movie The Paper Tigers is about? I sure could. IMDb says, three kung fu prodigies have grown into washed-up middle-aged men, now one kick away from pulling their hamstring. But when their master is murdered, they must juggle their dead-end jobs, dad duties, and old grudges to avenge his death. Can I tell you the last time I pulled my hamstring? Three days ago. <laughs> it was at MTV. For some reason, I, I can't remember. I if remember you, this. Yeah, I can't remember if you were there or not. But, like, we decided to have races down the hallway. Yeah, and... no, of course I was there. I, <laughs> I instigated that shit back in the day. And I was running, and I was like, yeah, I feel it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to kick this time's ass. And then my hamstring suddenly exploded. Yeah. Um, and I just, like, uh, I just stopped mid-check. And I was like, and I think it was that moment that I realized I was old. Yeah, that was with Gabe Gordillo and Mary, and um, and I think Stip was there, and, and it was Parker one of those probably. nights. <laughs> uh, yeah, probably where we did relay races up and down this hall that was kind of a dark, uh, dark greenish hallway at the fifteen forty <laughs> building yeah. uh, over in Times Square because they made us work late on some ridiculous thing because someone couldn't make up their mind, and we ended up being there having to pull all nighters again. All nighters, remember all nighters when they didn't destroy you? Yeah. Um, oh yeah, wow, that memories, man. Yeah. We that was a uh, that. <laughs> That, that was a fun time making nonsense stuff that nobody ever watched. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, 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 but like this movie, there was that moment where I realized my body was not capable of the punishment that I was throwing at it. Um, and, and I felt that, that, was, that, that that's, a, that's a realization that the characters in this movie uh, have fairly early on. Um, uh, they are, uh, of, of course, uh, Danny, Hing, and Carter, um, and mm-hmm. they are, th- as the as the um, synopsis described, three middle aged men who once had a th- uh, a sort of beautiful. Oh no, Carter's Carter's the 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 villain, uh, not the villain, the other disciple. Oh, sorry. The other uh, dojo. So uh, it was uh, who are they? Danny, Wing, and Hing? Jim. Jim. Okay. Yeah. Um. Uh. Again, apologies for the <laughs> the uh, the lack of uh, posterity uh, here as I as I try to navigate my way through this discussion. It's uh, all good. Um, the at the start of this movie, these are three young, uh, enthusiastic martial arts practitioners who seemingly have the the world at their fingertips and all the promise uh, of what life may bring uh, in that short opening montage, uh, completely capable of any fight, uh, willing to throw their bodies into any situation uh, and and videotape it on VHS. Which the 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 style of this film's open had me instantly. That right. sort of like gritty, bad tracking VHS recordings, <laughs> and and this little touch that I really loved was all the names of the people who worked on the film was written in that like real shitbox in camera like white block text. Yeah. Uh, and I was just like, the second I noticed that, I was like, oh, I'm gonna love this. Like <laughs> it, it was just it's small things like that that do end up pulling me. Yeah. Uh, in at that moment, and and you know, I just really loved the aesthetic. You got, you instantly knew who these boys were, uh, and who uh, they uh, soon, in our periphery anyway, would not be anymore. Um, yeah, it, 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 the, the the movie from the beginning sort of drips that sort of like 
you know, that that vibe, to be perfectly honest, that you got from, like, the Ninja Turtles films just right. sans yeah. all, like, um, all, you know, mutants. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just scrub that out of there. Yeah, of course. And we're, we're talking about, of uh, of course, the, there's this sort of unusual influence of, not unusual, um, there is the martial art influence uh, in America. Of course, in, in Asian countries, the martial art films, you know, like, dating back to the Golden Harvest, the, the Shaw Brothers, the... Um, uh, you know the entire series of, of of television series that you could get of of purely martial arts based films, much like Bollywood is to India. Um, you know, has a long storied history. Um, I was watching something about Hong Kong fight choreography recently, where they talked about how uh, Hong Kong fighting sequences are just choreographed in an entirely different way than than Western car, uh, action fighting sequences, which is that they treat every shot as a master which is that you know like they don't do like a wide and then punch you know like do the whole sequence as a wide and then punch in for close-ups instead they treat every single shot what's that as i was just agreeing oh okay sorry um they treat every shot as a master and then and and what i think the end result is is that the storytelling through the action is just a different beast altogether because it's not about um just cutting in to tell the story. The sure. shots are the story. And, you know, we know that um, throughout the 70s and 80s, uh, through people like Bruce Lee and Jackie Chan, um, martial arts movies became prevalent in the United States, uh, in all, most of Western culture. Uh, martial arts-based um, uh, movies started being made, of course, not with the same sort of degree. And this movie, The Paper Tigers, is a direct result of the long-standing influence of those types of movies yeah. um, and their American counterparts. What's different about this movie, of course, is that it is made by Asian-American um, filmmakers um, featuring Asian, an entirely all-Asian-American cast, uh, which is somewhat, I guess, somewhat unusual. But if you go to read um, uh, Bao Tran's story of how this film came about, um, there's a great article in the Daily Beast about, uh, about some of the pressure he had to westernize some of the characters um, for, for this film, including, I think at one point... Uh, potentially writing this for uh, Bruce Willis to star in. Um, really? <laughs> yeah, and Nicolas Cage at some point. Um, but, wow. Uh, so, so it has all of that going for it. And, and, you know, as we kind of mentioned, the hook here is that it is a, a film about aging martial artists who are realizing that, they're li- that their abilities are no longer with them. To that end, Matt, I mean, you've already kind of described that you had a great time while watching it. I, I'm curious what your overall thoughts about how effective this film is into uh, capturing your imagination. So I hate to, you know, steal off other people's homework, but uh, I, it's it's funny rereading uh, the Blades commentary on why it resonated with him so much like it kind of is perfect like a perfect summation of how i was feeling Mm -hmm. i enjoyed this film on a gut level um i i could see sort of cracks in the armor like i didn't think like the joke moments were terribly funny Mm -hmm. like uh whenever there was like a like line that was supposed to be a joke. I guess just the writing in certain spots, I think, fell flat for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the pacing was a little bit back and forth. I thought um, uh, I couldn't quite tell what tone it was going for overall. Uh, I feel like it sort of uh, undulated around a couple different ones from like comedy to drama to, you know, s- to farce. Uh, and then by the end of it, it all sort of coalesced into like what I would f- feel like would be a full mood of a film. But all that having been said, um, I don't know if it was through the performances or the aesthetic or that I'm a sucker for these kind of stories in martial arts or that I'm starting to feel old myself or all of these sort of things. The, the, the congruence, the, the, the sort of all, the, the, the whole that all these pieces made gave me such a flow state mm-hmm. that like I couldn't even uh, I, I, I couldn't even believe just sort of like how much joy I was feeling at this silly thing. Mm-hmm. Like, it just, it did. It washes over you. And I, I, I actually feel quite bad, Shahir, that you didn't get to have that experience. Yeah. Like, it, it, it became a bit, I think, more like, and I've, I've been there, it became a bit more like a chore. And I honestly think that watching this movie in the way you described makes me think I'd hate this movie. Like, I feel like there's something about, like, this movie is a water slide, right? And, like, 
a water slide is great if you're on a whole water slide. But if you, like, fall anywhere in the middle of a water slide or the water slide <laughs> ends before you get to the bottom, there's going to be problems. <laughs> <Right>. Like, <laughs> so I, I'm very curious sort of what your, what your take is. Uh, and, and, like, because I – look – I know you can compartmentalize. I know you can sort of see things, but I think one of the major strengths for this film is that certain X factor, uh, or what the French would call a certain I don't know what. Je ne sais um, pas. Yeah, I, no, I know. That was, I, that was, okay. <laughs> it's, it's been a long week. No, no, I don't know the, what. I'm, I'm just saying, I don't know what. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, like what, how, how did you even parse this? Uh, through your weird, sadly mandatory-esque uh, viewing habits of this yeah. film. So again, I apologize for uh, not being able to kind of sit through this in one sitting, and it is, it has nothing to do with the film whatsoever, just my crazy schedule and me trying to uh, get stuff done while juggling a kid and, um, and, and work, uh, which has been crazy this week. Um, what I found was, is pretty much in line with what you're thinking, and but I, I guess perhaps on the opposite side of the blades kind of commentary which is that yes i i I found that the jokes were telegraphed pretty heavily to begin with you kind of knew what and and they were fairly one note kind of jokes about being old and you know time passing and and how our bodies don't work anymore um you know which kind of gave way to these uh elongated fight sequences which were really uh at certain points kind of uh, de- demonstrating some really um, lovingly crafted fight choreography um, against sort of, um, uh, you know, the, the the kind of one-note jokes that we occasionally have. So, you know, you kind of... Uh, the, the moments I'm thinking, of course, are of, you know, like, um, uh, hang... Uh, sorry, is it hang... Uh, fighting and then re- and then like squeezing really hard and farting in the middle of it, you know, like you kind of yeah. get that sort of beautiful choreography happening. And, and actually, fart. I don't know if it's hing or wing. No, it's I know. Wing. I'm so so apologetic about this. I believe it's wing. Yeah. Uh, who I, I didn't know. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Um, but I will say, like like what you just described, this movie is wrapped in uh, a sort of beautiful ethereal layer of charm. And charm is really the word I kind of zeroed in on as I was kind of like collecting my thoughts about this movie. And I wanted to kind of discuss that word in a bigger context because what has been, while I've had very little free time in the last week, the one thing I've been really thinking about is my response to the movie Army of the Dead, which we talked about last week. (laughs) And I've been thinking about that in relation to my response to this movie. And the one word that comes to mind is charm i keep thinking about that word charm over and over again so i found this article uh in esquire magazine uh by johnny davis from uh, 2017 talking about the what does it mean to be charming and uh he kind of uh tries to compartmentalize what is charming and you know he sort of identifies it seems to be a particularly uh male trait uh you you seldom hear about charming women princes are charming princesses have other attributes famous charmers uh, are include people like george clooney barack obama and Cary grant um charm is defined as the power or quality of delighting attracting or fascinating others hmm. um and i think What's happening in this film and the reason why it's charming and why it's delighting um, is that there is a degree of love that has been put into this film that surpasses its uh, some of the, the lesser qualities of it. Um, and, I, and I don't mean those lesser qualities pejoratively. I think, I think the movie functions perfectly fine as an action comedy um, about these middle-aged men. I think the problem, you know, maybe the, the larger problem I have, um, which is not really a problem in this case, is the bit of this movie is these men are too old to be fighting. And that is established within the first 10 to 15 minutes, and that is the entire bit. It doesn't really go much beyond that. Um, well, bit or, or I mean, here's the thing. I, I think that it, it plays the, it as a bit for the humor, hmm. but I honestly think it's kind of the backbone of the story of what's going on. Like, I think it transcends bits, even just based on time spent on it. Like, the jokes are at the expense of it, sure, but, like, it's the whole plot. That, that's like, what I mean. I think, and, and I think the, the mechanics of that plot are pretty much laid out in the first 10 to 15 minutes, and that's it. 
you know, like, and, and then it, you know, the rest of it just plays out in any way. I think there's a, there's a nice thing here about, um, reconnecting with your youth, but that also is about, you know, aging out of what you thought believed to be true. And there's also uh, a nice thing here about, um, uh, realizing your limitations and what is important to you in life. Um, some of the stuff didn't really work for me. I think I, I found, um, the, the interplay between Danny and his younger son and the storyline about him and his younger son felt uh, a little bit, not necessarily tacked on, but not fleshed out really effectively. Like he's, he, the, the, the son's storyline kind of felt like it was placed there to give Danny a little bit of pathos for his life at this moment, mm-hmm. as opposed to like really feel... And the reason I say that is that he we begin the story with him kind of not paying as much attention to his son for him, like foregoing, you know, foregoing time spent with his son for work. And then he just spends the rest of the movie away from his son, you know, um, fighting and what have you. And, and pretty easily doing that. Now it's brought up every now and again, but I kind of felt like it was, it wasn't uh, a fleshed out foil. There's a lot of films that do this. There's a lot of films that set up the deadbeat dad (laughs) and then like, don't address the actual (laughs) issue of him being a deadbeat dad. But then like the kid has a problem that relates to the plot of what the deadbeat dad is going through. And then like they rekindle based around it. Or like in this case, uh, you know, he doesn't know if he's going to make it. So like he has a heartfelt moment over the phone with his son, which feels <laughs> kind of cold. Entirely like, ignoring the fact that he spent the whole movie, you know, away from his son. <laughs> yeah. And again, there's a, a thing about revenge for a father figure. Yeah. You know, yeah, da, 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 da. Uh, also, Shahir, so sorry. So sorry, listeners. It is Hing. It okay. is Hing, not Wing. No, no, there's no, no, another no, no, no. Ca- Hang on. Nope. I, I've, it's I'm, Hing. Hing, it's Hing. is Yes, you're right. You're right. Yep, you're right. Yep. <laughs> you're uh, right. So, so it is. It is Hing, Danny, and Jim okay. are the three. The the, the is, tigers. We're off to such a great start. We're doing great. I mean, you come here for the facts, <laughs> um, and I really appreciate that we never get them wrong. But as you've described, as the blade described, it is effortlessly charming. A, because of the somewhat underdog status of the movie, I guess you would say, like, we know it is a, a labor of love. It is a movie that is made on a, on a Kickstarter budget. It is a movie that features three leads who predominantly would not get um, um, uh, lead billing in a, in, in a movie like this. Um, and it the, the fight choreography is done with a certain degree of reverence for what what makes fight choreography beautiful to watch. And so for all of those reasons, I think the movie actually works. And I think about that in relation to Army of the Dead, because that is a movie whose flaws I could not forgive and could not get. And I think the reason is, if I was to kind of categorize what the distinction between those two films are, Army of the Dead is not a charming movie. There's no charm or charisma or effortless display of likability about that film and so its flaws become magnified for me i kind of want to talk through that because i, I, I want to as well because we had differing opinions about that yeah, yeah, yeah. but i, I just uh, thought I, about that a lot as i was watching this movie in relation to my response to that film 100 percent. and i i agree that like especially even my joy that i, I actually I, here's the thing I won't even say that I felt joy when I was watching Army of the Dead. I had a good time. Like, I was liking what I was seeing and, like, I could, like, roll with it. But it's not the same water slide thing yeah. uh, at all. There's there's too many bumps. There's too many breaks. There's too many leaks in the slide itself um, on Army of the Dead to, like, get into a flow state like this film does. I think uh, it- but but this, is, this is the thing. <laughs> right. This is the thing. Yeah. They're both... The filmmaker's labor of love. <laughs> yes. But but I think the difference is that here, well, uh, that that um, sorry, in Paper Tigers, uh, Boutran is basically sort of in love with the genre that he's playing with, and I think that in Zack Snyder's case, he's in love with with making a film. And because he's kind of comfortable with this because he's done zombies already, like, whatever, like, that's fine. But, like, the love is seen in the craft, not the product. Mm. Where here I feel like a lot of the love is seen in the product, not not necessarily just elements of the craft. That's not a dig on the film craft in The Paper Tigers. It's just – it. 
the, I focused more on the story being told to me. That was where I hit my flow mm -hmm. in in Paper Tigers. Yeah. Whereas the flow, I, there was there. I think there was a lack of flow in Army of the Dead because it was like, oh well, like you can tell Zack Snyder's having a really good time with his fucking crazy lenses and like doing zombie explosions and like, oh fuck, that's a zombie tiger. Yeah. Like, you know, wow, it, two it's, tigers. It's, what? Two it's weeks. weird to, to sort of talk about it in relation to that film because these films bear no resemblance whatsoever. The the relationship except for the tiger. <laughs> the relationship only has to do with my response to it and the way I'm thinking about my response to both of these films uh, uh, together. So if that's any way to kind of like highlight how I'm thinking about these, but the but other it's a way different to way to enjoy. I mean, in my case, I enjoyed both. Yeah. you did not enjoy. It, it's just it, it, there's an interesting dichotomy here as to why because they they there's some there's some shared DNA across what I think the experience or experiencing what the film is can deliver. I, and I think it, I, there, there's another side to this, which is that I think Army of the Dead is on the back foot in terms of its likability factor, because imagine if you're playing, I, I don't know, imagine if you're, um, uh, if someone rolls up to do a one-time screening of a movie that they've just made and okay. The first person rolls up in a Lamborghini with an entourage of 20 cars behind them and then puts up a projector and says, hey, watch my movie. And then the second person rolls up in a beat up dusty Honda and then puts up a screen and says, hey, watch my movie. There, I think there is something charming about the second case versus something that is uh, a certain hump to get over on the first case. And the charm factor in this doesn't necessarily have to do with the amount of money being spent, but it's the amount of Nobody would make this movie pomp if and not circumstance. For this person. Yeah, pomp and circumstance, the sort of uh, pros prosperity of the whole thing. And I think beyond all of that, as you say, the story is functional. Now, it, it does have problems. It does not work. In a, well, it doesn't land in, a, in the way I think it's, it, it would ideally love to land. But Really? I it, thought it landed right where it wanted to based on what it's... <laughs> felt that was important enough to show us a lot. I, I would say moments like the um, like um, the father explaining to his son how to clinch his fist should have felt like a like a moment and instead felt like a sort of like, oh boy, we're really spending a lot of time on this moment here. And, and I'm I don't like, know. Oh. On an emotional level, it really worked for me, even though I could pull back and be like, yeah, you didn't spend enough time on this, but there's something <laughs> like like to, to warrant it. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. But there's something about the rest of the charm, the rest of the water going down the slide that just really made it. So I was like, yeah. I will say when I saw yeah. him and his son doing the exercises that he would have done with his Shefu at the beginning of yeah. the film, I was charmed by that, and I kind of felt that that worked. Um, Sifu. Sifu. Shefu is a, is a hip-hop artist from New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think a lot of this does work, and I think what, what's more impressive about this is that it shows a degree of potential and promise that makes me want to sign on to another film in terms of being a watcher. Like, and I want to see what this person does next. Yeah. Um, you know, in the, again, it's a, it's a sort of uh, wholly inappropriate analogy, but in the Zack Snyder case or in the army of the dead case, I am tapped out at that point. You know what I mean? But like in this case, I'm like, Hey, while this didn't all work, I see the potential here. I see the promise. I want to see where this goes, where where this goes from here. And I think that is that um, you know, in that definition of charm that um, um, uh, in, from the Esquire article that I was talking about earlier is that fascination of willing to go along and willing to follow, and mm. and that's where the charm comes in in this place. That's a long way of saying. Uh, and, and I guess I'm only equating these two things because of my personal relationship to movies at this point, which is that I have very little time and I'm trying to fit in what I would do for pleasure now for essentially this conversation. Um, and and I think, you know, that part of that equation is then would I recommend one over the, you know, like would for someone in the same situation or for someone who's looking for something, um, would I recommend this? And I, in paper, in the case of Paper Tigers, despite having qualms about it, I still think it's kind of delightful and would recommend it. I immediately, after I finished it, because just the way it worked out, uh, I, I regretted having not watched it with Jamie. Right. Because I thought that she would really, really like it. Yeah. Um, there, and, and, and you know, martial arts and kung fu movies are not exactly her cup of tea. Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, not that she dislikes them, she just doesn't seek them out. Right. And um, this just felt like a real, a, a real, I don't know, conglomeration of like taking a bunch of elements of these style movies and turning it into like a hyper labor of love. And yeah. you know what? I don't even know. Like, it's funny. I'm on the IMDb page right now and, and like the trailer's playing in the background of the thing. And like, I'm just looking at the actual like, the VHS stuff, I think, hits me harder than almost anything, and maybe that is a sign of getting old. Like, right. my first films that I made, and they're not films, they're videos, uh, was on VHS or VHS-C. Right. Uh, and then moving to mini-DV. Like, you have these sort of, like, the look of what their childhood was like, although they were older than I was, I guess, at that point um, in the film, uh, is it, it resonates with me. So, like, I instantly am, like, hooked into the them as characters, and then the actors do work as the yeah. older versions of themselves. Yeah. I really like that that touch as well, which is that they're not the they're not uh, they didn't dress down the older cast when they were you know when they were young or anything. It's just different people. Yep. And and you get the sense that time has passed, which I really like as well, because you get that sense of like, oh, a story has happened in between this, right? Like when we see. Um, uh, um, Danny for the first time in like 30 years or something like that you go wow he's really changed you know he's no longer the sort of James Dean tank top kind of guy he just seems like a sort of weedly little middle aged guy and you go like what is that story yeah I mean and even even like okay so it's actually the IMDB page is a little bit misleading it's really two of them are out of shape they're all getting older (laughs) right but Jim runs a fucking uh, Muay Thai (laughs) boxing gym by the way like like Jim's doing all right. Yeah. Um, uh, and like, I, I, you know what? I just, I loved the disparate elements of the three characters. Right. So Hing uh, stayed with Sifu the longest and then learned sort of like this sort of mythical art of healing or a way to, to, to heal people and whatnot. Um, uh, Danny seems to have some gift uh, about um, time, like, time, and he, he can he's like perfect sense. for a, for a Zack Snyder film, by the way. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. Um, and like, they all sort of have this element, and then of course the 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 foil, who I think is named Boy, yeah. um, uh, basically who was a secret disciple after they all sort of left Sifu. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, learned the poison fingers, which is a thing where if they he basically he was using it as an assassin to kill people, and like there's sort of that it's sort of a second to third act twist, not really yeah. twist, just sort of like occurrence, and then they have to challenge him. And uh, I'm not sure if that it, was boy, by the way. I think I, oh, was I, it not boy? I I, I, I don't even look, remember if that was even a character that was named. Blanket apologies again. <laughs> um, but the the um. Oh, and then oh 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 oh. So one of the joys of this movie was, I think, as well, the character of Carter, mm-hmm. because it it takes it makes a really interesting uh, <laughs> look at the fetishization of Asian culture and martial arts films with white dudes. Yeah, and but but but, but it's it fun. It, but no, and no, no, it's no, like no, no, endearing. Yeah, it's it, well, it's it's not it's not endearing so much, but like. I think they rode the perfect knife's edge because they weren't just like slapping people down that liked this stuff or, or even like tried to make their identity behind it. They called that out when that happened. Right. Uh, I knew a couple kids in high school, uh, <laughs> white white boys trying to do everything and anything sort of Asian culture, which is ridiculous because there's like a, a, a thousand disparate cultures in that zeitgeist. And but what it does here. Is yes, it, it it sets him up for sort of the jokes and things like that. But also, you can tell even through his ridiculousness, even though he he keeps talking about like Westerners as if he isn't one, yeah, right? Yeah. That there is such a love here for it, yeah. And it's not like that's the thing that makes you forgive him for all of his stupid words or slights or just being a dick or like trying to prove himself, etc. It I, this movie does a really great thing where aside from the assassin poison fingers uh, monster character, every character is multifaceted. Right. Like they have flaws. They they're not all heroic. They're not all villainous. And I really liked that in Carter because it would have been so easy just to shit on that character because we've all been there and we've wanted to shit on that character. But they're like, they also shined a thing being like, Hey, these people 
whether their hearts are in the right place or not, truly love this stuff yeah. and want to be a part of it. And, and like yeah, it and explored that in a, in a subtle and interesting way that could have just been played for a joke and they did more with it. And, and I knit, uh, in terms of like a knit final result, liked him. I liked Carter. I kind of liked, you know, like he was the, I, and I think that starts because he is the butt of the jokes. Yes. At the beginning of the, you know, like he's constantly getting beaten up despite how hard he practices. And he's still the butt of the jokes, no matter how good he has gotten, no matter how jacked he's gotten, no matter the fact that he could beat up all of these guys. Yep. Uh, he is still the butt of the joke and he still has to wear it on his, uh, on his chin. And yep. I, in, in the end, you know, the, the, the film kind of sets you up to believe that he might be behind Sifu's, uh, death but you know like in that sort of suspicious way that he sets up uh, another group of young teenagers to sort of be in the um, in the inter- <laughs> interrogatory spotlight well, he just wanted he wanted the guys to fight young kids yeah that's exactly. basically what it was but but in the end you kind of I, I kind of like you say respect the game you know what i mean like it's, yeah. it's that thing which is like yeah i, I think it's odd that he's taken such a a, a sort of um, he, he he talks about Westerners as though he's not one, but at the same time, he knows more about this culture than than most of these characters do. I, it, it's so weird. It's so fun, and it's it's something I haven't seen like explored with yeah. um with restraint or with like multifacetedness before. Yeah, I uh, went to I went to college in Irvine, by the way. So uh, we, you know, the uh, the University of uh, Irvine was. Um, was predominantly Asian, uh, Asian American um, people, and then there would be, you know, it, it was odd to see a white person on campus, is, mm-hmm. is how I would describe it. And then that white person would uh, take on all, you know, like within a week would be drinking boba tea and eating pho, you know, everywhere they went and talking about it like it was the greatest thing. And I'm, you know, and as being a brown person within that culture, I was definitely one of those people. Yeah. Um. So it was. It's it's clearly made. The, the thing is, this movie has a perspective and that perspective is played out lovingly and it has and you feel it on screen. And I kind of despite, you know, like j- feeling like the, you know, I think as Jonathan Blade himself pointed out, the narrative tissue doesn't quite connect. Um, there is a, just enough love on screen to kind of like to be with it, to be to be OK with with everything that's happening. Yeah. And and the. um so so I, again, I will continue to sing this this film's praises. The you 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 listener, dearest listener, should go watch this movie. It is well worth the rental price you will pay right now. Mm-hmm. Um, th- but that is to say, like it's a good thing there's water going down the slide because there are a decent amount of parts where you'd end up skidding on some hard plastic, like the <laughs> the, the 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 deadbeat dad trope that we discussed before. Um, the, the way that the movie does kind of, it wants to make the secret disciple thing kind of a bit more of a meal Mm -hmm. and it doesn't really, um, it shows them and shows how like badass he is and, and, and like, uh, there's, there's, there's a few sort of setups and payoffs like, um, uh, Hing being like, no, you got to hear the bag like beforehand so you know, and like that was cool. But then at the same time. There were just sort of things like why, like the the uh, the different characters sort of like picking up threads and then dropping them. Like they made a bigger deal, and 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 I don't know if the film would have been better or worse, but like the relationship with um with Danny's ex wife. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is where I think the film kind of like faltered for me. The family man aspect yeah. takes a back seat. Yeah. And they only pull it out to pull on the heartstrings where mm. where I think it would have been I don't know a, a different choice would have been to play into more of the father dynamic with Sifu which they do a, they, they talk about it a lot and they show it a little. Yeah. Um I I don't know. I I feel like I I loved seeing that scene um where uh we realize Sifu's passion in life was cooking. Yes, I, and I like when they're all messing around in the kitchen with yeah. the VHS tape. It was yeah. before you've seen him as a stoic person that's like correcting various angles of posture. Yeah, and like, <laughs> but then he's correcting various angles of pasta. No, I'm just kidding. Wow, <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Uh, so, so I don't know. There, there's, there's. What I'm saying is, this is a ride you will enjoy. Yeah. The, 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 the catch is that. 
the it's it's the flow of the ride that's going to take you through to the end. And actually, to be perfectly clear, I had a very lovely emotional response for what I would call a sort of saccharine ending. Hmm. Um, uh, the, you know, getting into full blown spoilers at the end of the thing, uh, Danny beats the assassin, right. and 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 does so in a way that is kind of brutal. <laughs> but like also correct did he break Actually, his back at the end by the way I like think he, th- he did he throws him because, against the wall so there's something interesting I thought about this after the fact mm-hmm. I, I, I sorry I sort of sidestepped my first point but I think this one's more interesting mm-hmm. so you can't in this film the way it is set up have Danny kill the bad poison fingers man <laughs> like he can't murder him right right so the the shorthand would be to make sure he can't hurt anyone ever again. And so at one point he uses his momentum against him and he throws him into the side of a uh, outcropping on the top of a roof where they're fighting. Mm-hmm. And he definitely breaks his back or his neck. Very Bane-like, right? Yeah. yeah. And they leave him there to call emergency services. <laughs> and I was thinking about this. <laughs> and... The character is coded evil. Like he's murdering I mean, people for money. He's murdering people for money. He is he's murdering, murdering people for money. People. But he's also the the orphan child uh, of his of the. He is the the fourth child after the parent was abandoned. Right. Like he is the new child. Who sure, hates. but he's. I, murdering I'm not saying people. murdering people is right. I'm just saying that there's so a... <laughs> so like you're stuck with this weird sort of moral quandary. Like what? It's not. It's not that he is going to be arrested for murdering people. <laughs> it's that he now is paralyzed from the neck down. <laughs> and like there's there's if you stop and th- again there's a lot of points in this movie where if you stop and think about it, you'll be like. This is strange that I'm just loving this as much as I am. Not that, like, again, there's nothing that you shouldn't be loving. It's just there's little hitch moments. I think I think within the, the confines of the film, though, their reaction and response feels appropriate for within the confines of the film. Right? Like... Like, oh, to hunt the person I, I don't down. Think he intended yeah. to break his break his back. Oh, but I mean, he did, and he responds to it appropriately. Then they, I mean, he, he, I. I I think he, he meant to beat him. Yeah. Um, well, but and- he, but he also, I never. Uh, that fight started, and I was like, I, they're really gonna have to think their way out of this problem. I was expecting, I loved, because I was expecting, like, oh, man, they're going to give him some, like, drug or something to, like, get him back yeah, to it, it or whatever. And there's the joke of with the aspirin, and I'm like, Jim is a fucking genius. Well, but but it also does seem like Jim should be the one doing all the fighting, right? Like, Jim yeah. is running an MMA, uh, an MMA uh, gym. And Jim is running an MMA yeah. gym. But he should be the one doing all the fighting. He has, he has maintained his training throughout the years. Like... But it's funny, they set him up too, which I really love, that he 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 kind of lost his gung fu with doing all the different uh, mixed martial arts stuff that he does. Right. Like, I, I, I really enjoyed the, his, it's funny, he's in good physical shape, he's still an older man, but like, uh, I really liked that sort of his weakness was less his body and more his memory of the style of fighting that he used to do. Right. Um, because when he got into fights with Carter and I think with the young the young kids, like there was sort of like he didn't know how to do the beginning portions. Right. And I just loved it. Like, oh, that's his weakness. He's kept in physical shape. But yeah. after he left Sifu, the, like things started slipping. But I so also like, feel like Danny at some point just stopped fighting and hasn't like raised his fists until now. Right. Like yeah. this. And so, for, yeah, we get that key with the parking in the in the van and all that. Yeah, shit, yeah, exactly. He's, he's, it's good just to walk away, and that's what he's yeah. been doing. Um, I, you know, I, I think there was a sense there that that yeah, I don't know. I just I thought even physically, when you're looking at them, I bought wing fighting more. Oh no, sorry, hang fighting more right. than I did Carter. Uh, f- um, sorry, Danny fighting at this stage as well. Um, the story of what happened in Japan. Now, I will say the the time I fell asleep, again, no fault of the film itself, just my crazy schedule, was around this period. And so when I picked it back up again, I was like trying to piece back together the story. So as I understand it, and help me out here. Sure. Um, they all go to Japan for a tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sifu tells Danny 
that you shouldn't go because there's no honor in fighting for competition or for sport. Is that yep. correct? Yeah, for like you shouldn't you shouldn't do it for nothing. Like you should do it for honor and to protect. People. And so they go to they go to Japan. And only only Danny and, and Jim and, go to Japan. And then Jim is waking up. He wakes up ready to go to a fight. And Danny has checked out of the hotel and has left Japan. Is that yes. correct? Yes. And, and and it's because he had a change of heart about what Sifu said, and Danny. I'm sorry, and Jim is sort of left holding the bag. And so, like, what Jim, if- who was all on board, who, like, was convinced to go. Oh, no, sorry. And Danny didn't even tell Jim that Sifu didn't want them to go. Right, like this, right. So, so I, what you're getting at here mm. is that's a sort of needlessly complicated web to kind of have some some complexity and some conflict between the three tigers. Right. Like, like, and and it is not handled well. And here's the thing, and the timeline doesn't line up for what I'm going to suggest, and what I'm going to suggest is also the cheesiest version of how this story would play, but I feel like would add a dimension to the thing that is weakening the film overall, mm. which is that wouldn't it have made more sense if the reason Danny decides to come back is because he found out his girlfriend was pregnant or that... He decide in some way he decide he made a choice then between fighting and his child, and he's been li- trying to make up for that ever since, and he's been faltering on that ever since. But that's the reason he gave up fighting. And I'm just saying that because that would tie into this bigger story that's happening around the edges of this film of Danny reconnecting with his child. I mean, like, I guess, but at the same time, that's just like that's solving an overly complex narrative issue with one more piece that granted fits in with some of the other elements, but it's still one more piece. Would that Jenga tower still stay up? We don't know. No, but because the problem is with what you're saying, with, with what I, uh, not with what you're saying, but what, the what film I'm is, saying, what the film actually does. <laughs> the problem that, with your face is that that story of him choosing fighting for no fighting doesn't, doesn't Re- land. It's not. It's not as connected. It's not as connected to the entire narrative and the entire narrative about age and time and passing and why we choose to fight and all that sort of stuff. It just feels like he just stopped fighting because he kind of felt bad about it, as opposed to like having a compelling reason to not fight. Um, and so, I, 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 yeah, I, I sort of, I found that that kind of stuff not to work as efficiently. And it would be, you know, um, it's a, it's a. It's a minor gripe though, because that's not the central key. But, it, but the, the, you know, like one thing about this film is that, as we mentioned, there is this passage of time that has happened, and mm. we're kind of curious as to what happened in that period that made these characters feel the way they did. And like, and in, in the case of Wing, you know, he had an accident, and he's been collecting disability ever since. And is you know, like just get, and, and we we they talk about the fact that he'd eat the most, and he would you know like just. You know, like I that, mean, that's and, kind of a running gag. But he uh, took what he had, and he he works at the senior center. Yeah, and he, he helps people senior, heal. Yeah, he does exactly. what he learned to do. Like, but he's also getting older and bigger, and and he hurt himself. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. But so I, I just I wonder about that story. But it, again, all of this is to say, um, these these things feel minor because we're also witnessing a filmmaker at the start of their journey as opposed to you know someone later on in, <laughs> later on in, in their career kind of thing interesting and i don't think that matters to me hmm okay not that it shouldn't uh, yeah. especially you know watching a filmmaker like but like if this goes back to the Zack snyder thing yeah. as well we like i i don't care if if they're driving up in the Lamborghini or the or the the hatchback, right. um, I care about am I having an emotional positive response to your movie? Right now, will I think that one is a little more douchey than the other? <laughs> sure, but I, like, I think the douchey plays into like whether you're charmed enough to have an emotional. I don't response. know. A lot of douches are charming. <laughs> um, so like, I, I guess what I'm saying here is I don't. I'm not viewing this movie as a oh this is really great. Uh, because like oh there's a lot of missteps but it's his first couple ones so like it's okay he's gonna get better like i guess that's true but i'm not looking i'm not i'm not giving this movie the water slide mark of approval because (laughs) of that i think i'd rather for me personally talk about sort of the elements that i saw that took me on the journey as opposed to sort of like 
oh, well, he'll get better, which I, th- I do I think believe that, I he think, will. I, I think that's a fair response to, to what I just said, um, which is which is like, does the movie work on its own terms? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a fair response. And I think for the most part, the movie is in the middle ground of working on its own terms, but it gets to the other side for me because it there's a sense of delight with which it is being made. Mm. Um, and yeah, perhaps no. I read to uh, I perhaps read a lot into the mechanics of production because it's what I'm interested in. Um, but I think that's a fair fair statement to say. Uh, you know, again, in this sort of arbitrary comparison between Army of the Dead and this, just because those are the last two movies I watched, the <laughs> the the there is a a lack of joy and love that I feel for my emotional response to Army of the Dead versus the sort of the respect that I have for what is being presented to me in this case. Yeah, no, yeah. I agree, and, and and I think that the. It is. I, I'm so happy that we're doing both of these movies in this order, right? Because it, it did make you know, especially your comments made me think about like, okay, well, like again, I do say I enjoyed Army of the Dead, but it is not. It is not a uh, a flow state film by any means of the imagination. And I think we've kind of broken down exactly why that is. Zack Snyder is a certain type of thing that we can watch and sort of see bits and whether Our expectations or not they, are different. Yeah, and yeah. whether or not whether or not those things are things we vibe with, that's yeah. uh, that's something else. This was a um an altogether sort of like yeah, expectations is a good is a good sort of way to put it because like I didn't know what to expect going into this. I didn't watch the trailer first. Yeah. Um so like there's there's sort of a uh maybe maybe that's sort of part of the charm but at the same time, I will say, even after, say you listen to this somehow and you haven't seen the movie yet, uh, it's still worth your time. Mm. I even think that this is one of those movies where because the writing is on the wall of the plot and the journey is the actual, like, more important than the destination, like, where you could listen to this whole thing and then go and watch this movie and most likely, 9 out of 10, you'll still experience, if this thing's your cup of tea, mm. the same flow state that I did. Uh, just don't watch it like Shahir did if you can help it, because that sounds brutal. <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest film, with you, just... I'm trying not to fall asleep during this conversation. Not well, because we're, of the conversation. No, 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 no. We're, and we're going to wrap it up. We're going to wrap it up. We've we've had hard weeks, um, but we, but listeners, we, we, we respect your time, and we know there's lots of only movie podcasts that you can choose, and we are very happy and, and honored that you choose our only podcast about movies. Uh, because honestly, you don't really have another choice. Uh, but this has been the only podcast about the film The Paper Tigers. Shahir, when you are not uh, ignoring your gung fu in order to take on nine jobs at the same time, so you have to watch our next film, maybe Bo Burnham's special Inside, uh, in 19 different pieces, where can folks find you? Uh, you can find me um, basically napping on the couch on my website at www.shahirdowd.com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D.com. Matt, when you are giving a movie either three or four water slides, uh, where can people find you? You can find me uh, zipping down Splash Mountain. I miss water parks. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to break the thing right now and say I miss water parks. I want them back ASAP. You can find me with all of my water slide reviews at my website, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com, My Life and Works, also Skeletor, the number four, Pierre on Instagram, or Emperor M-S-K on Twitter. Also, please check out the good works we are doing over at Extra Credits. By the time this one launches, what will be out? We will have just wrapped up our Beowulf series. <laughs> Um, yeah, this one's called Beowulf Gets Roasted uh, because he fights a dragon and we kind of know what happens there. Uh, we also just dropped a wonder... Actually, today, the day we're recording this, we dropped an amazing uh, script, uh, an episode by Stephen Van Patten, friend of the show, um, on Negro League Baseball and the uh, breaking of baseball's color barrier and how uh, all those original leagues basically were like the groundwork for why baseball became the national pastime. Uh, is very, very interesting. Uh, and then uh, we are still neck deep in the humanitarian crisis of the 30 years war that we are positing around the four horsemen of the King James Bible. Um, that's of the apocalypse, by the way. So we got lots of interesting stuff over there, all different topics. Please go check that out next week. 
We'll be back with maybe a comedy special, maybe, maybe. a movie, maybe Cruella, <laughs> maybe Zoe. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, no, she got it. She got it. <laughs> Matt, uh, uh, before we go, I've got to ask: What is the video game tie-in for this movie? Oh, weird. I mean, it could be any of them because, like, any video game. <laughs> oh no, no, no! Like, I'm thinking like River City Ransom, uh, Double Streets Dragon. of Rage, Double Dragon. <laughs> like, those all feel like the right. Vibe. I think Streets of didn't Streets of Rage have a a remake recently? Is, is it that... did, and apparently it was it was very well Delightful. done. So let's say Charming. Streets of Rage Four remake, or or maybe it's not a remake. Maybe it's a direct sequel. I I actually don't know. Much to my detriment, I'm too busy playing Returnal. Shahir. Oh, good. Um, um, my movie recommendation to go with this, uh, just because uh, the soundtrack from Kill Bill is always in the back of my mind, is the Five Fingers of Death uh, by uh, Chang Ho Chang, uh, which features, I believe it's a Quincy Jones uh, riff um, of, uh, you know, the... But also about a deadly punch uh, that could be used to kill a person. Uh, so I will recommend The Five Fingers of Death as a as a fun movie tie-in Love uh, it. for this movie. All right. Well, we will talk at you all next week. I, I, I 50% promise we'll be more awake. <laughs> um, uh, actually, I, I've, I can see my week next week coming out, and basically I'm looking forward to collapsing on Saturday afternoon next week. So, okay, so we got one more. Okay, I promise fifty percent that I'll I'll be more awake, uh, but I I will not speak for Shahir, uh, <laughs> because, because and now he's at no doubt. Uh, Tragic Kingdom, welcome to it. Wow. Okay, th- that dated us. We're old. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye.